welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. We are really glad that you're here this morning. My name is Larry Sewell. I'm one of the elders here at the Lighthouse. And whether you're here in this room or you're watching uh, this live stream down in Bluffton, Ohio, at the center, or if you're over in Fostoria. We're praying for Fostoria. They're just starting up a new church there. We're not sure what God's going to do. But a lot of things are happening through live stream. We've heard of people coming to faith now through live stream. And we're just glad that you're part of the Lighthouse family with us today. Today we're wrapping up the series that we titled Called Out. Called Out. Christians have been called out of darkness into spiritual light. It's a supernatural transaction when God moves into the, into the life of a person and calls them into the body of Christ. Together, as the church, we are the called out ones. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Christ himself is the head of the church, and Christ placed a wonderful and great importance on the church. This is something that really matters to God himself. The Lighthouse is a local church, but we're part of something much bigger. Not only are we part of the Finley Evangelical Free Church, but we're part of the church of all believers of all time, people that have placed their faith in Jesus and have become followers of him. For the Christian, for the called out ones, everything is changed. Nothing remains the same. I'd like to pray for just a minute together, and then we'll kind of dive in together. Can I pray together for us? We think of that verse, to be still and know that I am God, to recognize your existence, that you're there, that you care for us, that you've revealed yourself to us in the pages of the scriptures. We're thankful for that. I'm thankful for each person here listening because it shows an interest in what you've said in your word. We're thankful for these ladies that have taken the step of obedience and followed you in the waters of baptism, a new beginning point, as it were. I pray for each person here. I pray for myself that you would uh, open my heart, that you would open my mind. You're the spirit of truth, the the one who teaches us. I pray that there'd be a, a great openness to the truth of Scripture this morning. I pray all these things through Jesus. Amen. Back in 2009... I walked away from the Hercules Tire and Rubber Company for the last time. I'd been working for that company for about 15 years, and I remember going to New York. I flew to New York. We had owners and stockholders there, and we were having a meeting on like an upper floor of this swanky building, you know, with lots of security around. And I went there to discuss the business plan of the business, but instead, that day, I tendered my resignation. And I remember leaving that building. I went downstairs, and I walked out on the street to hail a cab, thinking about the enormity of what I had just done. And the thing I was thinking about the most was what I was going to discuss with my wife when I got home. Everything changed that day. Everything. I had kind of this safe life, and I knew where I was supposed to be on Monday and what I was supposed to do. And that day... Virtually, is like this, like tearing the Band-Aid off. It's a circumstance that you can't recover from. You can't return. You can't unring the bell, as it were. 
You can't unbake those cookies. It's over. Everything changed in a minute. It changed when I said I resign. I'm done. It's over. Everything changed. It's a, kind of a starting over, maybe. Kind of a starting over. And I think the relationship to the Christian life is this. When we put our faith in Jesus and we make him the forgiver and the leader in our lives, it's like pulling that Band-Aid off. Nothing remains the same. You can't go back to the way you were before. Everything becomes new. The Bible says it this way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. We have insight, we have understanding that we didn't have before. Today, I'd like to look at what happened uh, in the very beginning, right after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was given. I'd like to look into that circumstance where those believers got together and what they did immediately after the Holy Spirit was given and the church age began. But before doing that, I want to talk a little bit about the immediate context, kind of set up the passage that we're going to look at in just a minute. Now, when we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, okay, Jesus had just been crucified two months before in the city of, outside the city of Jerusalem. So two months had only gone by. Jesus had risen from the dead. Okay? The scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, the high priests, all of the religious community was still there. The people, the crowds that had pushed back against Jesus, they were all still there. The whole kind of um, feeling about the city was kind of alive with the transaction that just occurred. The scribes and Pharisees, these religious guys, they had partnered up with the Romans in this kind of this unholy kind of partnership, and they brought their hatred and they, and they convinced the people to cry out against Jesus, to yell, crucify him. All that had just happened. That's what was in the context of the day. Jesus had told his disciples that the time is coming when people will kill you and they will think that they are doing holy service to God. And that's what had happened to Jesus. That was what was going to happen to the disciples down the road. After Jesus rose from the dead, for 40 days he went around teaching the disciples and others that were there. The disciples knew that everything was true. Can you imagine they were there? They saw Jesus crucified. They interacted with him after he rose again. They saw the scars on his body. They knew that it was true. They were the day, there the day when Jesus rose from this earth into the clouds and disappeared in front of them. They heard him say that he was going to come back the same way he, he left this world. There was no question in their mind what was true and what was not true. They had seen it. They were, they were eyewitnesses to the truth. Later, when they saw him rise into the, ground, uh, rise into the clouds, uh, they heard the Great Commission of what was going to come next. Another thing that happened at that, in that context was that the Holy Spirit was poured out. You've probably read the verses uh, from Acts chapter uh, 1 and 2 in the very beginning when the Holy Spirit was given. Something that had been promised in the Old Testament... Jesus himself had repeated that promise, and they not only heard the promise, but they saw the actual event. They had the Holy Spirit inside of them now. So imagine that scene. This is the city 
that had recently crucified Jesus. All the religious leaders that had pressed against Jesus, pretending that they were religious, were still there. The people who had cried out, crucify him, crucify him, were probably still in the audience. And in that circumstance, in that kind of tension, Peter stands up in front of the people to deliver his first sermon after the Holy Spirit had been given. And this is what he says. Verse 22 of Acts chapter 2. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know. He's saying, you know, you guys were eyewitnesses too. You were there. You saw what happened. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified. You killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for them to be held, for him to be held by it. Can you imagine preaching that sermon in that circumstance? Can you imagine that? What those people would be thinking, what the religious leaders around might be thinking, the risk Peter was taking when he actually proclaimed that you folks crucified Jesus, the one who is the Lord in Christ. This Jesus was raised up, and of that we are witnesses. You know, it's kind of like a bad wreck. Have you ever been by a really bad wreck, and you can't take your eyes off of it? You can't look away. You have to look and you see what happened. Well, these people were in that circumstance. They had seen it. They were eyewitnesses to the truth. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? This is the very moment in time where the Spirit of God is drawing these disciples to himself. He's drawing people to hope in Jesus. We see the miracle of faith happening at this moment as people are hearing the voice of God as Peter is speaking to them in this context. And Peter says to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was promised to you and to your children, to those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord has called to himself. And so those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We don't know how many people were there that day. We know that it was festival time in Jerusalem. We know that the city was full of people, the streets were full. We know that when Peter stood up to speak, he spoke to a crowd of people. We know that in that day there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. We know that every culture was present. We know that every skin color was present. We know that uh, there was great diversity in language. The first miracle after Pentecost was the giving of languages so people could understand the gospel. 3,000 people from among that crowd respond in faith and make Jesus their forgiver and Lord. 3,000 people. The supernatural God had visited. During Jesus' life, we have the 12 disciples. We have the, the women that followed also. In Jerusalem at this time, there were 120 believers kind of huddled together, probably in fear, waiting for the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit comes, and, and there's, 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 it's not something you can just ignore. Something remarkable is happening, something supernatural. Everybody knew something real was going on. You just can't unsee the gospel once you see it like that. And I'm trying to picture this scene. 3,000 people are baptized. I don't know if the 120 baptized them. You know, you take 25 and you take 25. I don't know if they use a river. I don't really know how this happened. But what we know is this. There were 3,000 soaking wet people standing together and a crowd of onlookers who think these men speaking are drunk. That's the scene. 3,000 brand new believers. They had heard the gospel. They had turned from sin to God in belief in the real Jesus. They were following the words of Jesus into the waters of baptism. And they had the Holy Spirit inside them. They were the called out ones of the day. God had called them from spiritual darkness into spiritual light. So if you were among the 3,000, what do you do next? You're all standing shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of soaking wet people. What do you do next? Well, the verses starting in verse 42 uh, it's going to explain what they did next, and that's the content for the sermon this morning. These 3,000 new believers, starting in verse 42, did this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to those who had need. And day by day, attending the temple and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. The Holy Spirit had come. And these new believers had exactly one thing in common. They were from diverse backgrounds, diverse languages. But the thing they had in common was the gospel. They all knew that it was true. They all knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. And they all had the Holy Spirit within them. So let's talk a little bit about what these believers focused on. We read verses 37 and 38 a minute ago. Repent, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think it's important to go back sometimes, and maybe there's verses I haven't read in chapter 2, to just to reflect and remember all that's said there. At one point, Peter quotes the prophet Joel. And he says this, It shall come to pass, there's not a, verse, a slide for this, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You hear that? Virtually every person that is lost and outside the family of God today that's hearing my voice is invited into the family of God. Every person who's lost today can ask Jesus into their life. Now these people repented and they believed. Sometimes we forget about repentance when we talk about salvation. And very simply, repentance is, is turning from our sin and our self-leadership and turning to God. It's a, it's, a, it's a turning around and going the opposite direction. It's like a U-turn. These believers were all baptized. It's interesting in America, we sometimes think in the church that baptism is optional. That's not what they did. 
There's no record of unbaptized believers in the Bible. These people believed that Jesus was a son of God, that he died on the cross for them, that these men who were witnesses to the truth were speaking the truth to them, and they believed. They turned from their sin, they turned from their self-leadership, and they came to God. We often pray a prayer of forgiveness and a recognition of who God is when we ask God to forgive our sins. The other thing that I recognize here very clearly is that the Holy Spirit was recognized and clear in the life of each of the people that believed. You know, there are folks today, I spoke with a person just recently who said he's been a believer for a very long time, but there's no evidence of the Holy Spirit moving and working in his life. And I would ask questions because when the Spirit of God comes into the life of a person, you know that. And that's the acid test of genuine faith is the presence of the Spirit there is the starting point for a changed life in place. You know, baptism is an identification. You know, we're, we're buried with Christ and we're raised to walk in newness of life. It's a beautiful picture of the resurrection of Jesus and our identification with him. And in the New Testament, you just don't find um, baptism and salvation separate. In fact, you find them so close together in the book of Acts, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the two because they went hand in glove. In Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, when Jesus is giving the Great Commission to the disciples, he said, go make disciples. What kind of disciples? Baptized disciples. People that have chosen to take that step to declare to the world that they are with God. It's a declaration. It's a declaration that we're setting aside self-leadership and that we're leaning into the leadership of God in our lives. It's a declaration that I'm now living a different life. I can't go back to the old. I'm walking with Jesus, my Lord. You know, Americans value independence and self-expression, um, freedom from restraints. You know what baptism says? Exactly the opposite. Baptism says, I'm giving up my rights. I'm going to walk with Jesus now. I'm going to give up my self-leadership, and I'm with him. Moving down now to Acts 2.42, sometimes I talk about an Acts 2.42 church, the kind of church that Lighthouse is, the kind of church we've talked about in Bluffton lots of times that Bluffton is. An Acts 2.42 church, what is that? Well, the verse says this, they devoted themselves to four things, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Four things. Let's talk first about the apostles' teaching. You know, I don't know how to say it any more clearly, but when we look at the Bible, we're looking at the Word of God. We're looking at the recorded words, in some cases, of the apostles themselves. When we look at the Bible, we're looking at something that God, the Creator, has breathed out. It's, it's everything we need for life and walking with God. It's living and it's active. It's the, the process by which the Holy Spirit transforms our life. As we, as we see uh, who God is, we see the character, we see the acts of God, and we, we lean into that as we look at Scripture. It changes us, it changes our hearts in this transformation process that's going on. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded. Yeah, the next part of the Great Commission is actually leaning in to all the words that Jesus said, all the words that are recorded for us, in the scriptures. You know, you can't order your life around the Word of God 
if you have no idea what it says. You know, it's always funny to me that people that struggle with their faith and have no time for scripture, it's like, I don't know, perhaps we have a solution just to read. The scripture is a divider of the thoughts and intents of our heart. It allows us to see ourselves in a true light, and it actually allows us to move closer to God. It gives us light and comfort and conviction. It gives us hope. The longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, is dedicated to what the Scriptures do for us. So it's important here at Lighthouse, we talk about the Scriptures not only as being something that's authoritative and something that's true, but also something that we take the time to read. We make margin in our lives purposely to allow the Scriptures in. We allow margin in our life that that we can leave into what the Holy Spirit is teaching us through the scriptures. We give license to the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. So there's the apostles' teaching. Next, there's the fellowship. Um, It's mentioned in verse 42, but also in 46. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. In Romans 12, Paul tells us that we are one body in Christ. Christ is the head. We are one body in Christ, the church. We are members one of another. And he encourages us in that chapter to serve each other with the spiritual gifts that God has given us. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts, gifts like teaching and serving and exhorting others, Um, gifts like uh, contributing, leadership, showing mercy to other people. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts that are identified in in the Bible in different places. But in Romans chapter 12, Paul um, kind of pulls us in and says, hey, yeah, this is a place where you use your spiritual gifts for other people. We see in Acts chapter 2 that these people spent time together. They spent time together. They went to the temple together. I think that was mostly about worship and prayer. Um, They ate together. Despite tremendous diversity in cultures and languages and all that went with that in this city, Um, these people kind of reordered the social construct and made time for each other in their lives. They spent time together. They made that a priority. So picture this. The city of Jerusalem is still very fresh in the memory is the death of Jesus and the resurrection and what had happened. And Peter stands up in that context with all all this craziness going on in the city and these people come to faith And those who came to faith created this community together. They were close. They put a high priority on spending time with each other and taking care of each other in the body of Christ. Next, they broke bread. The context and kind of the language indicates that they might be talking about meals and homes, but they also might be talking about communion. Can you imagine these folks who had just seen it? Jesus had just risen from the dead two months before, and yet... They're leaning into remembrance of the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus. Even two months after the fact, they're remembering what Jesus had done for them. Jesus took on flesh, God in the flesh. He had entered his creation. He died on the cross to pay for my sin and for your sin. His broken and his body and his spilled blood are are in front of us. We see it. And there's forgiveness from God And there's restoration with God through the body and blood of Jesus. You know, when we understand 
truly, that we're called out of darkness. We're called out of brokenness. We're called to be part of the family of God. It changes us. Something really nourishing and something really positive happens when we understand the spiritual darkness that we left. And you know, God saves us for a purpose. We have the ability to walk with God. We have the ability to exercise the gifts he's given us for the good of others. They remembered all these things together in community. The next thing in the list is the prayers. You know, God knows your name. He knows your name. He knows your heart. And he encourages you and opens the door for you to talk to him. In very simple words, a prayer is just talking to God. Peter, or Paul, I'm sorry, says it really in simple terms when he says, uh, thank God for what he's done and ask him for what you need. Prayer is this open invitation for each person in this room to speak with God himself. The foundation of prayer is a recognition, a humble recognition that God is God. And when we pray and we ask God for things, it's a, it's a recognition that we're dependent on him for all things. My very next breath is only possible because God has made it so. God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. And he invites us, God, the God of creation invites us into communication with him. But also it's good to know that God can't be gamed, you know, we can't trick God. We can't hide from him. There's nothing that's not uncovered before his eyes. It's interesting to me as I read through the Gospels that Jesus himself, God in the flesh, felt the necessity of praying to his Father. That relationship, that, that closeness was, that was there. And when we can't find words to pray, uh, the Holy Spirit fills in the blanks and prays for us according to the will of God. Here at Lighthouse, we talk about this. We don't just know about prayer, but we pray. We pray bold prayers before God. We tell him what we need. Uh, we thank him for what he's done, and we ask him to move. And you know, we see so many people uh, taking spiritual steps at Lighthouse. It's really, it's really remarkable, some of the prayer requests and some of the steps people are taking right now that are part of this family here together. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the scriptures, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Those are the four things they did. Verse 43, awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Awe, what is awe? I've looked at that word, trying to figure out what it is. Of course, they saw some miracles. They probably saw some things that I haven't seen. But I tell you what, I have seen the miracle of people crossing the line of faith. I've seen the miracle in myself of the Holy Spirit transforming my heart to be very different than I was before. Just, this, just yesterday, I remember really being angry at this person about things that she was doing. And I remember thinking, and it's like God is speaking to me. It's like, well, perhaps you should just forgive her and try to figure out what's going on in her life. And so I find out later in the day that uh, she's going through a divorce because her husband is a hopeless alcoholic and her life is spinning out of control. And all the behaviors that she has are because she's walking like people who walk in darkness. She's lost. She doesn't know God. And her life is out of control and she doesn't want it that way either. And what God was saying to me is perhaps rather than taking offense at a person lost, perhaps 
our, my, my position should be to pray for her, you know, that she would find hope in Jesus as opposed to me reacting to her negative uh, behavior. The spirit of truth transforms our heart. He changes us from the inside. You know, do you think Jesus came to this world and died on the cross, God in the flesh, so that you could have 50 or 90 or whatever number of years God gives you that are really smooth and really nice? Do you think that's why he died on the cross? No. You know, he, he died on the cross so that we could be like him. Our lives could be transformed. We could live a life that's on mission. You know, awe is a recognition. Yeah, it's a recognition of who God is. You know, religion can't do that. Religion's a set of obligations. You know, this isn't anything like that. This is seeing God for who he is in the pages of Scripture. And that knowledge, that understanding, it changes us. It changes us from the inside. These people had been called out of spiritual darkness. You cannot unmash those potatoes. Verse 44. All those who believed were called together, and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and distributing the proceeds to any that had need. You know, the Church of America, we have a private internalized kind of faith. You know, a faith that is, uh, yeah, it's, it's my faith. You know, I don't really live it out there. Uh, but what we see here among these people was outward generosity. You know, you have permission to help other people in the body of Christ with whatever needs they have. You have permission to do that. Money is just a small part of generosity, though. Financial resources. These folks shared time across the social construct that we see here, lots of different kinds of people. They shared their spiritual gifts, whatever God had blessed them with, they were willing to give to others. And there's all different spiritual gifts that are different than mine. We need all of those in the church. They shared their hearts. They worshiped together. They went to the temple and prayed together. They shared their resources. We've mentioned that. But they also shared the gospel, what God had done to them. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And this verse always catches me. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This place was alive. People were coming to faith. It's wonderful to hear that we've had four people just this last couple weeks come to, to genuine faith in our kids' ministry, you know, the Lighthouse Kids. As you read forward in the book of Acts to chapter 4, you find out that these 3,000 people multiply to 5,000 families. I'm not sure what that timeline is, but it doesn't seem very long. Somehow this 3,000 multiplied to 5,000 families. And I don't know how big a family was then. If it's four, maybe it's 12,000 people. I don't know. But it's big. These are new believers. They had the Spirit of God in them. They had a clear recognition of who Jesus was and what he had done for them. They had all kinds of different languages and cultures, and maybe they all talked to people that were more like them. But they shared the gospel. It seems that the maturity of this group grew really fast. They were studying the scriptures, they were praying together, they were coming to maturity. Later in the book of Acts, it's interesting to note that people from Acts 2, the cities are listed early in Acts, uh, where people came from. People from those same cities came to Antioch 
to share the gospel with both Jews and Gentiles, where there were a whole bunch of people came to faith. That church was started. They were first called Christians there. That's a church, an ecclesia. And that's the church that heard God's voice through prayer and fasting and worship and sent Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. People that shared the gospel in Antioch were probably present at Pentecost. Okay? People took the gospel home with them. That's what happened. These people were, were changed by the gospel. They couldn't go back. Something remarkable had happened to them. And as they leaned into the teaching of Scripture and as they prayed and, and this rich community developed, when they went home after the festival, they took the gospel with them. And the gospel spread across the world because of people who had been changed by the hope in Jesus. I never tire of reading Acts chapter 2, how it all started. You, know, you go back to the very beginning. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 focuses on key elements that we uh, try to live by here at Lighthouse. Scripture and prayer and remembrance in community. It's a place where people are generous, where new believers are coming to faith Baptized believers, people that are diving into the scripture and prayer and the community here together. This is a place where people stand in awe of God, who he is, what he has done. It's changed us as we worship him. And it's a church that's growing. Growing not just in this place, but in other places, people that are plugged into Lighthouse. We, the people of Lighthouse, we are called out ones. We are called out of spiritual darkness and we're called into spiritual light. We're called into awe. We're called into the, the scriptures and prayer and uh, relationships with other people. So right now we're going to ask our prayer leaders that are in the room to uh, get into position. I think there'll probably be some in the front and some in the back. And uh, in a minute you'll have an opportunity to pray. But before we do that, I'd like to just pray for us as a congregation while they're coming and the musicians are coming. God, we just want to thank you that you've called us out of spiritual darkness into spiritual light. That you've exposed to us at a heart level the mysteries of the gospel. That you've made us your children. And we just stand in thankfulness. We're thankful for the, uh, for the blessing of baptism where uh, these young ladies are declaring their faith that they're followers of Jesus. And we're so uh, thankful for that. We rejoice with them. So I pray for each person here, those who are believers and those who are not, that they would hear your words from the book of Acts. They would hear your heart that is for them and the invitation to know them as Savior, but not just Savior, as Lord, that they could walk in that kind of joy. I pray these things through Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.